0: If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go ahead and turn to the book of Galatians. Again, this is Family Sunday, so we encourage the students uh, and the children to stay in with us, that they might see what it's like to sit and uh, be under the teaching of a sermon, be able to observe communion, and so uh, we enjoy that they can have this time with us today. Also, just so you know, Daryl is here. Daryl had... Daryl had surgery on Monday on his heart, and well, he's he's here. <laughs> Whether he should be here or not, we don't know, but but we're glad that he's here. Can't seem to keep him down, <coughs> uh, so we're glad you're here with us today, Daryl. Um, we're in the Book of Galatians, uh, chapter three. We've been making our way through the book. Many of you who have grown up in church might be familiar with the uh, with the children's song "Father Abraham." Anyone remember Father Abraham? Remember the motions? I'm not going to sing it for you, because I don't do that. But, you know, it goes, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let us all praise the Lord. And then it's right arm, then you go through it again, then it's left arm, then it's right leg, and and it's all of that. Uh, You probably had no idea that during that song... You're learning very profound theology at that moment, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at, why do I want to be a son of Abraham? What does it mean to be a son of Abraham? And so, uh, let me just recap for some of you, you might not have been here the last few weeks, um, and if you have been here, well, this will just serve as a reminder. Paul is making the case that we are justified by faith, so in verses 1 through 5 of Galatians, he bases his argument on the experience of the Galatians. He says, did you receive the Spirit through works of the law or by hearing with faith? He looks at their salvation experience, and uh, the verdict is they were justified by faith. Today, he's going to give a positive argument. Abraham was justified by faith, therefore we are also. Next week, we're going to look at a negative argument. He's going to say, no one is justified by works of the law, and so we'll see why that is. And then in verses 15 through 29, we're going to look, why then the law? why was the law given what was the purpose of the law how does that relate to Abraham and how does that relate to Jesus and so that's kind of where we were and we where we are going and so if you have your Bibles I want to encourage you uh, to stand uh, as we read Galatians chapter 3 verses 6 through 9 here we stand at the reading of God's word simply because uh, it is a book like no other it's inspired by God comes with his full authority so we do so in honor of God Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we look at your word today, as we study your word, God, give us eyes to see, open up our hearts. May we see that justification is by faith. May we see the beauty of that. May we see that it's always been by faith. God, I pray that we who are here would know that and we would believe that. And if anyone is here who does not know that if anyone is here who's not trusted in you lord i pray through your word and through the working of your spirit that lord they would they would see the beauty of your son jesus today they'd be drawn to you and believe believe in your son jesus that through him there is forgiveness of sins god make us aware today that our sinful nature god wants to resist this message our sinful nature wants to believe that we are sufficient and that we do not need jesus so lord i pray i pray expose that sin, expose that in us, expose wherever we have been believing that, that we might repent of that today and continue to trust in you through your word. In your name, Jesus, amen. You all may be seated. <coughs> what we're gonna do today is just work through a series of questions. And I believe that those are in your bulletin. And we'll make our way through the text. Uh, so number one, why was Abraham counted righteous. We see in verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, he's counted righteous because he believed God. He had faith in God. If you remember the story of Abraham, God comes to Abraham and promises that through him, He's going to create a people for himself. But the problem is, Abraham and Sarah, they had no kids. Sarah is barren and unable to have children. And so in chapter 15 of Genesis, Abraham cries out to God, How is this to be? How are you going to bring about this child? I don't understand. And then in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, God responds and he says, He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So they didn't live in Washington, because we don't get to see the stars a whole lot. But he took him out, and he looks at the stars, and based upon God saying, you see all the stars, that's what your offspring is going to be. Abraham believes God. God doesn't lay conditions on the promise. The promise is not determined by any work of Abraham. It's completely filled by God. And so it's kind of like one of my, my oldest son, Ben, he's going to have a birthday in June, right? You're going to have a birthday? And he's going to turn 10. And what day is your birthday? Which is the what day of the year? The longest day of the year. He loves that his day is the longest day of the year. Um, and so if I said, Ben, when you turn 10, I will give you a brand new bike. All you have to do is, to, is turn 10. What does he have to do to receive that gift? Nothing. I mean, he just has to live. Um, so live, turn 10, and believe that I'm going to give him a bike, and, and I will give him a brand new bike. Now, I'm not really doing that. Just, just clarifying that. You know, worst sermon ever. But if I said to Ben, Ben, when you turn 10, you're going to start mowing the grass every week. And based upon how well you mow the grass, I'll buy you a new bike. Now, that's a totally different promise, right? One has said, just believe, Ben, when you turn 10, I will give you a bike. But the other one says, look, Ben, based upon your quality of work, then you might be able to achieve this bike. Well, that's very different. That's not what God does to Abraham. God says, I give you this promise, and it's all by grace. Abraham believes the promise, and therefore we're told he is counted as righteous. Now, the term counted as, it's an accounting term, and it means that money was being received and counted as a payment toward, toward some end. And so the point is, is that Abraham was counted righteous, meaning that God was saying, Abraham, it's as if you lived a righteous life. He's literally giving him the righteousness of God so that Abraham would have that. And Abraham would be legally declared righteous, justified free from all condemnation. So we call this the doctrine of justification. Abraham's justified by grace, through faith, not by any work. If you remember, in the beginning of this year, we began by looking at the five solas. We are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ, according to Scripture, for the glory of God alone. And we looked at where that came out of that came out of the 16th century, the Catholic Church had compromised on the Word of God. No longer were they trusting in the Word of God. Therefore, what they did, they added to the Word of God. And they said, you're not justified by faith, but you're also justified by baptism and by penance, meaning by your confession. And so it was by a work that we do, we would be justified. And that goes completely against what we see in scripture we saw in chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 we'll see here in chapter 3 that we are justified by faith apart from any works martin luther said that justification by faith is the is the article alone which the entire church stands upon meaning if we lose justification by faith there is no church Amen. amen indeed it is that's what everything is about and so the issue of justification focuses on the question of merit and grace. So justification by faith means that the works we do are not good enough to merit any type of justification. The Bible says that we are, full, that we are sinful, we're born sinful, everything we do is sinful, even our good acts, because we have sinful hearts, they're tainted. And so there is nothing we do that when we stand before God, He will say, Great! I'm glad to have you on my team. I bring you in based upon our works. And Roger's Roger's going for it today. I love Roger. But it is amen, right? I mean, this is is what everything that we believe in. By faith in Jesus Christ, His righteousness is what we call imputed to us. Now, you're not going to use that at lunch or at dinner or really anywhere else, but it's an important word. And so what it means is that Christ has righteousness. He is completely and perfectly righteous. We do not have righteousness, and so we need an alien righteousness, meaning we need a righteousness not found in ourselves, but found somewhere else. And so by faith in Jesus, he gives us His righteousness, so the alien righteousness, He gives it to us, so now when God sees you and me, who by faith believe in Jesus, He sees the righteousness of His Son. That's why you're declared righteous. It has nothing to do with your work, nothing to do with your efforts, nothing to do with your past, solely the work of Jesus Christ. That's what it is to be justified by faith. That is what the church is built upon, that doctrine and that is what paul is declaring today to the galatians. and it's important to remember this because satan, the world and our sinful nature wants to regularly undermine the sufficiency of jesus. that's the whole problem in galatians. judaizers are coming, they're saying, "great, we're glad you believe in jesus, but that's not enough." you need to do this. That's the same thing the Catholic Church did. Great. We believed you, believed in Jesus. Glad you believed in Jesus. You now need to do these works. The Mormon Church, great. You believe in Jesus. You need to do these things. Jehovah Witness, we're glad you believe in Jesus. You still need to do these things. Every religion apart from Christianity is built upon works, even atheism. Atheism says, well, I don't need God because I am sufficient in myself. If there is any type of future eternity, well, I am worthy to go in because I look at myself and I say that I am a good person. I am my ultimate judge. I don't need Jesus. That's the doctrine of atheism. And so every religion that there is is built upon a religion of works except Christianity and that is because we at our heart have a sinful nature. It's important for you and I to remember that even as Christians, we're going to struggle with trusting in Christ. We're going to continually fall back at times and say, well, maybe I should be trusting in myself. Maybe I should be trusting in my works, like the Galatians are struggling here today. And we know that we're not perfect. Abraham was not perfect. If you know the story of Abraham, it's not a story of perfection. In fact, he, he had his wife lie, and he actually did this twice, lie and tell, tell someone else that he's his sister, so that he wouldn't be killed. And then actually the king of Egypt marries Sarah, takes her to be his wife, and then only through an act of God, Abraham receives her back. And then later, when Abraham is still wondering, so God, you told me that I'm going to have this offspring, but I don't know how that's going to be. He then says, well, maybe... I should accomplish this through my own effort. So he takes Hagar, his slave. He has sex with her, which produces Ishmael, which then maybe that will be the way that God will provide the promise. Again, the story of Abraham is not about focusing on Abraham's perfection, but what it is is looking at how God is faithful. And Abraham ultimately does believe in God, and God counts him as righteous. And that's the same way we are declared righteous today. God promises all who have faith in Jesus Christ that we are righteous. The very righteousness of Jesus is imputed to you and me so that when God sees you, when we come before God, He sees the righteousness of His Son. That's why Jesus came. He came to die on a cross that we who believe in Him would be saved because there's no other way. We're not saved by our works or any merit that we can do. You You can work hard, you can show up early to work. You can stay late at work. You can get the next promotion. You can have the, ne- the bigger house, the better car. You can have the cleanest house. You can have the best kept yard. You can have your car full of bumper stickers that say your kid is on the honor roll or whatever else you put on your bumper sticker or whatever else you put on your car. You can have all of those things and yet they mean absolutely nothing before God in your justification. Nothing before God. The only thing that counts is his righteousness, which we receive through faith. We are saved only on the basis of what Jesus has done at the cross. And so what does this faith look like? So I want us to take a moment and just kind of understand the faith of Abraham, the faith that we have. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go back just a few pages to the left to Romans chapter 4. In Romans 4, Paul is making a very similar argument to what he's making here. In in fact, in chapter 4, verse 3, he will quote Genesis 15, 6, which he does here, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And then right after that, Paul will make the case that Abraham believed God was counted righteous and then later was told to be circumcised. And he makes that distinction to make sure... We know Abraham wasn't counted righteous because of circumcision. Circumcision came later. If you know your Bibles, Genesis 15, Abraham is counted righteous. Genesis 17, which is later, is when circumcision comes about. But what I want us to do is look at verses 18 through 25. um, And I want to point out two things that we see in this passage about faith. So if you have your Bibles, verse 18. In hope, He believed against hope, this is Abraham, that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is, why he was, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So two things I just want to point out. Number one, uh, faith trusts, in the unseen God over our seen circumstances. Abraham is 100. Sarah is 90. Now just in case we're unclear, that's past childbearing age. Okay? If you have questions on that, talk to someone older and they'll help you understand. So, but Abraham, he looks at his body, the weakness of his body, and he trusts in the power of God. As his body gets older, he says, I know that God will produce an heir through Sarah and I. Now, does this mean his faith is illogical? Because I think sometimes as Christians, we say, well, you just have to have faith. And a lot of unbelievers will say, well, that's just your cop-out answer. I mean, just have faith in something as if that has no content to it at all. But I want you to think, Abraham he has faith, and it's, it's logical. He believes in the God who spoke creation into place. He believes in the God who created man and woman in his image. He believes in the God who sent a flood over the entire earth, killing all of mankind except for Noah in his line and then drawing dry, the, the earth back up. He believes in the God who sent fire down upon Sodom and Gomorrah, thus destroying those cities. He's believing in this God, and based upon his belief and his understanding of this God, he believes that this God, who has spoken the cosmos into being, can also speak life into the barren womb of his wife, Sarah, and she will produce an heir even at 90 years old. So it's not illogical. There is, there's foundation behind this faith. It has God, his very character behind it. And just as Abraham's faith is not illogical, neither is ours. I want you to think about it. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, killed in Jerusalem. Those are historical facts. Any historian will believe that. The atheist will believe this. We also believe that it is this Jesus who was crucified, which every historian believes. We also believe that it's this Jesus, which in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says over 500 people saw that he was raised from the dead. Well, We only need two or three witnesses to, uh, to come to a verdict for anything. And so here we have over 500 confirming that this Jesus raised from the dead. It is this Jesus who fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. Now the Old Testament canon is closed somewhere between 250 and 400 B.C., which means it was not altered around the life of Jesus, which means that Jesus did fulfill the prophecies written at least 250 to 400 years prior to his birth. This is the Jesus we believe in. Our faith is not illogical when we say we believe in Jesus. We believe in the historical figure, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, fulfilling all prophecies. And it's this Jesus that Paul writes in chapter 3, verse 21 of Galatians. He will say, For if a law had been given that could give life, righteousness would indeed be by the law. Meaning, if we could have been saved by the law, Jesus wouldn't have come. He never would have sent him to the cross the whole point of the cross is that the law doesn't save. That's why we believe in Jesus. Because there's no law that saves us. There's no works that save us. But it's, through, it's solely through Jesus Christ. So our faith is not groundless. It is not illogical. It's based upon the sure testimony of Scripture and the very character of God. So, so when we say, let's have faith, let's unpack that for people, but it is not groundless. It is not illogical. Secondly, what we see is that Abraham, his faith grew as he praised God. If you look at chapter 4, verse 20 in Romans, we read that as he gave glory to God, that his faith grew as he, grew, as he gave glory to God. So our faith grows as we give glory to God, as we praise God. So, so what does that mean? Like, how does our faith grow when we praise God? Well, keep reading. Look at verse 21. He then says, Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So, Abraham's faith grows as he gives glory to God, fully convinced God is able to do what he had promised. So, what that means is Abraham actually believes in the promise of God. That's how he praise it. He lived out each day, and the understanding and the knowledge that God's promise is going to come true. Did he doubt? Yes, he had doubts. We see that when he brought Hagar and different things. But yet, he continued to move when he turned 90, and 91, and 92, and 93, and 99, to the point where then his wife gives or, um, becomes pregnant. He has faith. Even though his body is failing... That God is more powerful. And so as he walked each day understanding that God will fulfill this scripture or fulfill these promises, his faith grew. Let me ask you, do you trust in God each day? Do you live each day in the knowledge that God has forgiven you in Jesus Christ and you right now are a child of God? Do you believe that right now, as you sit here and as you go out later, you are counted righteous before God? And that you can rest in that righteousness, rest in the grace of God's mercy. Do you believe that God works everything in your life right now, everything that is good that is happening and everything that is bad? Do you honestly believe that he does that all for your good and and his glory? Do you trust that God provides comfort for you, wisdom for you through His Spirit and through His Word? I think sometimes what we do is we look at Abraham, we look at Paul, and maybe you look at some people that live around you today, this man or this woman, and you say, man, they have so much faith. Man, I could never have faith like that. Have you ever felt like that? You just look at other people and say, I could never have faith like them. They have so much faith. They're incredible. There are no super-Christians. There's no levels of Christianity. There's no two-tier Christianity. There's no, we all come in at this normal rate, this normal level. But some of us, because of extra grace, have become the super-Christians. That doesn't exist in the Bible. But what we see is that there are people who are trusting in the promises of God each day. And as they do that, they grow in their faith each day and it's those people that we begin to look at and say wow look at their faith but what i want to encourage you is that through the word we have the same faith when we come to the word of god we also grow in our faith if you remember faith comes from hearing hearing through the word of god We receive faith through the Word of God and as we continually come to the Word of God, looking at the promises of God, our faith is strengthened that we would go and live in light of that knowledge so that our faith will continue to grow and that as we do that, we give glory to God. So everyone here, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, don't look at other Christians and go, man, I could never be like that. Come to the Word every day. And as you come to the Word, and as you soak into the Scriptures, the Spirit, through His Word, will be strengthening your faith that you can go forth. This is why we encourage every day, be in the Bible. Be in the Bible. Parents, if you are here, read the Bible to your children. Other storybooks are great. Love those read the Bible to your children. Remember last week, we saw in verse 1 that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified before the Galatians. Remember, the way the Galatians saw the gospel is through the preaching of the Word. And as we take our kids through the Word, they're seeing the gospel every day. When you read the Word, you're seeing the gospel. And let the Galatians be a reminder to us. They're Christians who are struggling in their faith. Paul is taking them to the Scriptures to strengthen their faith. This is their Bible, Genesis here. That's what they would have gone to. And so today, as we grow in our faith, we come to the Word of God. Let us be students of the Word. Next question. So who are the sons of Abraham? We see Abraham is justified by faith. Who are the sons? Verse 7 commands us to know, so we're back in Galatians, to know that those of faith are the sons of Abraham. That's what it says. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So what's Paul's point here? Well, the Judaizers, they've come. They come to the Galatians and say, we're really glad you believed in Jesus. He's a really great guy. We all like him too. However, if you truly want to be saved, you're going to need to do circumcision. Remember, that's what Abraham did. And you need to follow the Old Testament law. So they have more faith in their bloodline and in their law-keeping than they do in the blood of Jesus. And that's what they're trying to get the Galatians to do. So they also sing the Father Abraham song, but they sing it a little different. So you ready for different lyrics? A little different. You can start it off. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had. And I am one of them, but you are not. So let's get together for a little procedure we like to call circumcision. And that's the song that they sang. Because you're not a child of God until you do this work. And that's what they were telling me. So Paul counters it by saying, Hold on here. Abraham is saved by faith. He's counted righteous. And therefore, you, if you believe in believe in Jesus Christ also, you are a son of Abraham. To add to works or to add to our salvation, is to, in fact, deny our faith. In fact, Paul will make this abundantly clear. If you go to chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, this is what Paul writes. Don't go teach that other Father Abraham song. <laughs> it's not a side note. Don't teach that one. It raises too many questions with your kids. And. Okay, so verse 28, chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So here Paul saying, it's not that there's not men and women. It's not that there's not Jews and Gentiles. But by faith in Christ, we all become one in Christ. There's no distinctions now. You see, the Bible, it's not about elevating one ethnicity above others. That's what the Judaizers were doing. You need to become like us Jews. The gospel is a message of grace that goes to every tribe, every nation, and every language that whoever has faith in Jesus might be saved and become a son of Abraham. Many of you might remember the story in John chapter 8. Jesus has one of those tense conversations with the Pharisees. The Pharisees say, we're a son of Abraham. And then, and then Jesus says, no, you're not, which that's kind of weird, because they can actually trace their bloodline right to Abraham. But he says, actually, you're not. And he says, because if you were a son of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. And so that might make us go, well, what are the works of Abraham? Well, in John chapter 8, 47, this is what Jesus says. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So he says, Look, the reason you are not a son of Abraham is because you don't believe in the Word of God. Abraham believed in the Word of God. That's why he was saved. And if you want to be saved like Abraham, you need to also believe in the Word of God. You don't believe in the Word, you don't have faith. Therefore, you are not a child of God. So I want to encourage us here let's heed the warning. Do not trust in the faith of your parents. Do not trust in the fact that you were raised going to church. I've read, I've talked to many people. I know I'm a Christian. I've always been at church. I know I'm a Christian. I, my parents are Christians. I would even go so as, far, as far as to say, do not trust in a decision that you made 30 years ago when you were 8 years old. Don't trust that 30 years ago, that's when I was, 30 years ago, 7 or 8, I believed in Jesus Christ. In the Bible, it always talks in the present tense. If you want to know if you have faith, or if you want to know if you're saved, do you have faith in Jesus? Not did you have faith in Jesus, but do you have faith? It's a present tense. It's great if you believed 30 years ago, but do you believe? A lot of people I talk to say, look, 30 years ago, I made a decision. I haven't been in church for 30 years, but I made a decision. And what they're doing is they're, they're basing their entire life and salvation around a decision that has produced absolutely zero fruit from it. But we don't see that anywhere in Scripture. What we do see is if you want to have assurance, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? The Judaizers were the ones who said, look, we can trace our lineage, we can trace our things back to a decision long time ago. And Paul is saying, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? So what we see here is that your physical lineage will not make you a son of Abraham. Physical descendants from Abraham are not actually true sons of Abraham. True sons of Abraham are those who have believed in Jesus Christ through faith. It's faith in Jesus that makes us sons of Abraham. So the Galatians are sons of Abraham. And if you're here today and you have faith, you are a son of Abraham. Paul is saying, you don't need to do anything. You already are a child of Abraham. So why does Paul quote Genesis 12? That's the next verse that he quotes. In verse 8, he quotes Genesis 12 saying, "...in you shall all the nations be blessed." says, Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. What we're understanding is that here when we read, in you shall all the nations be blessed, that is the gospel. And God preached the the gospel back to Abraham 4,000 years ago. Now, it's, it's this immature kind of form at this moment. We don't have the faith in Jesus and the cross and, and justification and imputation and all those cool words that we come into the New Testament. But here at this moment, Paul is saying, 4,000 years ago, when God came to Abraham, he said, in you shall all the nations be blessed. He's giving him the gospel, meaning... The gospel is coming to you, Abraham, so through you, Jews and Gentiles, all nations will become a part of the people of God. Meaning, the people of God were never meant to be only one ethnicity, but it was always meant to be multi ethnic. There's popular teachers today that they say look, the Jews are God's chosen people, and the church is more like Plan B. And God's going to work with the church for a while, but eventually he's just going to go back to his chosen people, his real people, the Jews. And that's false teaching. Because we don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Rather, what we see in Genesis 12, God comes to Abraham and gives him the gospel, that the gospel will go forth to all people, Jew and Gentile. And Paul's making that argument here saying, look, it was never about only being a Jew. It's always been about Faith in Jesus that Jews or Gentiles, no matter what tribe, nation, or language you come from, that by faith in Jesus, you are saved and made righteous. It is good news. That's what we come when we look at the Scripture. I encourage you, let us be students of the Word. Let us come every day before the Scripture that we would see the Gospel. And that we would see how God has always been working at creating a multi-ethnic group which we see in Revelation 7. We see the fulfillment of it where people from all tribes and tongues and nations and they come and they fall before the throne crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. So the question is, why do I want to be a son of Abraham? Because that does sound weird, doesn't it? Like 4,000 years later, we're not Jews. Why do I want to be a son of Abraham? So I want to give three reasons. And hopefully you'll see that to become a son of Abraham is the most important decision that we make. Number one, there's justification. We've already seen Abraham was justified by faith and all who are justified by faith become sons of Abraham. So in order, when we are justified by faith, when we believe in Jesus, we become a son of Abraham. So to become a son of Abraham is to be justified, is to be counted righteous. And only those who are spiritually connected to Abraham through the blood of Jesus are righteous. So if we stand before the throne, any of us, on any other grounds before God on the judgment day, and we say, look, I did this, I raised my kids They were great kids. They got A's in school. They have great jobs now. They live morally respectable lives. I kept my job. I never cheated. Aren't I good? And God will say, well, that's great. Are you connected to Abraham? And if we're not connected to Abraham, we'll be removed from the presence of God and suffer under His wrath for all of eternity. Only those who have faith in Jesus, thus becoming sons of Abraham, Thus, becoming sons of God will enter into the presence of God for all of eternity. Justification is a gift we receive, we do not achieve. You have to know that. We receive, we do not achieve this gift. Number two, the Spirit. If you look at chapter 3, verse 14, we'll look at this passage more next week, we read, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. So all who have faith in Jesus Christ have been given the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit dwells in every single believer. You see, in the Old Testament, the law law was impotent. It wasn't powerful enough to make you actually believe the law and follow the law, it had no power to make you righteous. But now in the new covenant, through faith in Jesus, we receive the Spirit who now dwells in us that we would actually be able to follow and obey God, that we would live as the people of God. This is why later in Galatians 5, when we get here, we're going to read things like we are to walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. Everything about faith Is living by the Spirit in Jesus Christ. So you have now been given the Spirit of Christ. So when we talk about living by faith, that's not some weird theoretical thing that you go, man, I don't think that can actually happen. No, you've been given the Spirit who now dwells in you as the sign of your faith that you can live as faith. So if you're here and you believe in Jesus, you're a son of Abraham. You're a son of God. The Spirit dwells in you, and you can read the Scriptures, and by the power of the Spirit, have faith to believe in them every single day, giving glory to God, thus growing in your faith and understanding. Lastly, in Christ. First, why do I want to be a son of Abraham? It's the only way to be justified. Why do I want to be a son of Abraham? I'm given the Spirit that I may actually live as the Son of God. And third, is that we might be in Christ. Galatians 2.20, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, it says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So by faith in Jesus, we're now given, we're, we're united to Jesus, and our lives are now lived in faith in Jesus Christ. And we've been united to Him. That's why we've been given His righteousness, because there's been a union between us and Christ. And so that all the blessings of God are now given to us, because we're united to His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is why when you read the letters of Paul, you'll see in Him, with Him, through Him, talking about our union with Jesus Christ. Everything we do as believers is connected to Christ through the indwelling Spirit who lives in us. And it's all because we've been justified by grace through faith in Jesus. So why should we be concerned about becoming a son of Abraham? Because those who are sons of Abraham are justified by faith and have become sons of God. To be a son of God means you have the Spirit of God and all the blessings of salvation are yours. To be a son of Abraham means you've been united to Jesus and you share in His inheritance. Do you know that? Like this whole sonship thing, this isn't like, oh man, i got to be adopted into God's family. Oh, that's just more Christmas gifts i got to buy now because i got a bigger family and birthday cards. To become a child of God is to inherit all the blessings of God. So, All that is given to Christ because He's the Son of God becomes ours. That's what we read in Romans 8. Remember that? We become co-heirs with Christ. It is the greatest news in all the world. This is is why we say Christians, we're to be happy. We're to be full of joy in all circumstances. Why? Because we're heirs with God, united to His Son, justified. We have no fear of death because when we approach death, We know that God's arms are open wide, not because we're sitting there going, man, I hope I did enough. I hope I was good enough. I hope I won enough people to Jesus. I hope I attended church enough. I hope I read through the Bible enough times. I hope I did all those things, which those are all good. But none of that will merit our salvation. But we confidently approach death, just like Paul says, live as Christ, die as gain. I don't fear death, it's gain. Why? Because God's arms are open wide, because by faith in Jesus I'm justified, and it's His righteousness on me spotless perfect that's what it is to be a son of Abraham so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask uh, the men to come forward and we're going to pass out the very elements that represent what Jesus Christ did at the cross father we praise you, God. We praise you and we thank you. That God, we are justified by faith, not by our works. We are justified by what you have done through your son, Jesus. And I pray, I pray that we would know that, give us confidence in that. Lord, I pray that as we are here today and we read this word, that if anyone is here struggling in their faith, if anyone is here, they've been they've been turning back to their flesh and looking at their works, that God, you would convict them of that. That God, we'd repent of that today and that we would trust fully in your Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who they've been trusting in a decision that they've made 30 years ago, but yet they've not followed you, they've not believed in you, that God, you would convict them of that today, that they would trust in you today and that they would receive your Spirit being justified by you becoming united to your Son. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings of salvation. We thank you that because of justification, we do not fear death. But Lord, we look gladly to the day we are joined together with you forever in the new heavens and new earth. In your wonderful name, Jesus.